0: Welcome to Inside the Sports Car Paddock. for June 19th. Apologize for missing a week last week. Honestly, with so much 24 hours of Le Mans content flowing through on our Marshall Pruitt podcast, I figured it might be worth waiting and rolling out a rather fun and interesting conversation that I had with my friend and fellow race engineer, Jeff Brown. Jeff being the far more talented between the two of us. So the conversation we had, which we were hoping to roll out leading into the 24 hours of Le Mans, but it still works just as well the week after, is on the subject of simulation and knowing how both PC, computer-based simulation, something that is crunching and calculating potential setup information and component changes and outputting information that can be used to, through virtual means predict whether something will or will not work in terms of a performance improvement. And the other aspect, the one that's probably most widely known and understood, the actual driver-in-the-loop simulation sitting in some sort of multi-axis driver simulator with multiple screens in front of the driver simulating the track that they are, whichever has been selected to try and test on. So with Jeff, we get into both facets, both driver-in-the-loop Uh, just regularly referred to as Simulation, and then the other, the computer-based, that we just tend to call Sim. So I wish there was something more elaborate to distinguish one from the other, but Sim and Simulation, or DIL, Driver in the Loop, those are the two main topics that we open with, with Jeff Brown, the supreme race engineer for the Core Auto Sport IMSA team. And then we close... The conversation I had with Ben Keating about 24 hours after learning that his victory at Le Mans in the GTE Am class had been taken away. Really thankful to Ben for taking the time to have this conversation. As you can hear, emotion is still definitely, definitely there. Uh, there's even one point where I wanted to try and steer things away when I could tell that I'm starting to get a little bit misty-eyed. As, uh, as you can probably understand, as someone who had a dream of winning Le Mans, won Le Mans, and then did not win Le Mans. And I hope you will also appreciate Ben's candor as well in talking about where the blame should fall, etc., etc. So technical stuff, as we always open with, try and educate you a little bit. Educate me as well here on Inside the Sports Car Paddock with Jeff Brown. Then we close with Ben. On some pretty heavy stuff and pretty raw and honest stuff. And then you'll hear some music and we will fade out. If you get a chance, check out our new podcast.com site. We have all 500 plus episodes. We're just about, I believe, this is going to be episode 600. And also, in terms of fun milestones, we just crossed 3 million downloads since we launched the podcast in May of 2016. So, another fun little milestone. All thanks to you and all thanks to our guests that have made this little after hours project of mine a thing. So I hope you enjoy this here with Jeff, then Ben, and then we will speak to you next week with more interviews on Inside the Sports Car Paddock brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Jeff Brown, we are back for, well, actually, well, we're back, but we're also here for our very first Inside the Sports Car Paddock opening conversation during the 24 hours of Le Mans. So knowing that this arduous, crazy, boy, just wear you out 24-hour race is such a true pillar of the motor racing calendar. It's really easy to talk about drivers and cars and all those things are super cool and super amazing. That's what folks are going to watch going around for 24 hours this weekend in France. You said, hey, Let's talk about the thing folks don't see, and that is the really super hardcore technical preparation that takes place before a 24 Hours of Le Mans or Daytona or, frankly, any major race. And that involves simulation. That involves uh, pretending, race pretending at a very <laughs> fine and high engineering and technical art. We've had a lot of folks request the two of us to get into this. And so, this seems to me like the perfect opportunity. Do you want to start by just explaining what simulation is and the fact that there's actually two forms of simulation? There's what folks commonly refer to as SIM, just an abbreviation, which is usually computer crunching based. And then there's simulation, which is often or, or, or more readily describing the driver in the loop style that folks would see of someone sitting in a uh, could be a real chassis or not but actual pretend driving the highest form of pretend driving to learn but maybe you can explain what simulation is the purpose that it serves and there how there are two distinct forms of it
1: yes it's uh simulation has become and i know a lot of fans hear about it and it's kind of like what does that mean is it like the drivers get a subscription to iRacing and they go race each other in simulated races and things like that? Well, that's certainly come a long way. The commercially available to the average person simulations have come a long way. But what we're doing from an engineering standpoint is quite a bit more sophisticated. We have um, what what we call a lap sim, which is basically... Um you have a model of your car, a computer model and when I say model i don 't mean like a like a plastic model it 's a it 's lines of code. If you looked at the model, it would be just gibberish lines of code that describe the vehicle dynamics, the aerodynamics, the motion, the motion paths, the inertias, all the the dynamics of a car is described in computer code. And once you have that model built, then you can use racetracks that are also modeled by laser scanning very accurately, uh, not only the corner radiuses and the elevation, but the actual surface texture, the angle of the curbs, the height of the curbs, the bumps, and, and those are laser scanned and very expensive models of the tracks. Then you combine your your simulation model, your vehicle dynamics model, with your track model in a computer. You basically put a setup on the car that you want, just like we would with a, a regular setup. You have a regular setup sheet with springs and sway bars and wing angles and and all your damper settings and everything. And you hit a button, and the computer virtually runs a lap of the track. That's laser scanned in and using your vehicle dynamics model. And what you get out as an output is the exact data traces that you get out from your data system from the real car. So you, if you're using MoTeC, for instance, you get MoTeC graphs out of throttle, steering, brake, ride heights, suspension, movements, all the things that you would from the regular car. And, of course, you get a lap time. and. You know, a lot of people would think the lap time is the most important, but it's what's more important is knowing what kind of ride heights will run, what kind of shock velocities will get, what kind of vehicle movements will get pitch and roll and things like that. Um, And then we can go back in and change other setups and see if we get less pitch, more corner speed, more, less, or more roll. And you can kind of run through some setup changes in your lap simulation to get a uh, kind of test inside the computer. Now, we don't have a driver who's steering it, so this is just theoretical what should generate the most grip, the least drag, the most downforce, and make the car better with an ideal driver. So that's kind of the, the lap sim. It takes a long time to develop those simulation models. Um, you're constantly checking your output that you get from the simulation model in the computer with real data. So you can actually overlay them just as if, you know, let's say you're at Watkins Glen and you test and you have a bunch of data. You come back. And you will run the same setup that you ran on the racetrack in the lap sim. You'll get an output that looks just like a lap that you ran on the track, but it is a virtual lap. And you can lay that over, just like you would two actual racetrack laps, you can lay it over the actual racetrack lap and see how they compare and see where the differences are. That allows you to kind of tweak your model to be more accurate. We call it correlation. You're trying to correlate the sim model with the actual race car. And that kind of starts to put some of the driver technique into it so that it's more accurate. And as your correlation gets better and better and better throughout the year, or whenever uh, as you're building and improving your model, then you can have more faith in the results from the simulation. And so that's what people will be doing, like before Le Mans here. Uh, Le Mans is a great example that you brought up. You can't test there very much. so. You know, you can't just rent Le for the weekend and go test. So a lot of simulation work will be done. And the the teams that will have the best simulation will have the best, most accurate models of both the track and the car.
0: And what makes this so important in modern day competition is unlike, let's actually switch out of sports cars for a moment, but or because this actually draws directly from your experience and my own, and that's the Indianapolis 500, especially the way it used to be run in the 80s and 90s, where there was three weeks of practice. Well, with with qualifying thrown in, but multiple weekends of qualifying, approximately three weeks of practice. And so for a new team coming in, say for a new team appearing at Le Mans, you'd show up with, Absolutely no idea on what you needed for a chassis setup to be successful there. But the calendar, as it was structured, if we're just using this Indy 500 example, there was enough time where you could start off with a very basic, very comfortable, very safe setup and work your way towards something that would be competitive you're going to start with a ride height that's comfy, springs, anti-roll bars, wings. Again, the thing's going to understeer. Boy, just no issues. We've got time to shape this thing towards success. You think about Le Mans. You could even, again, if we if they had multiple weeks, Jeff, mm-hmm. you could indeed do what we always do as engineers, and that's take little strolls up and down pit lane, you know, Um try not to be too obvious with the camera but you know get some looks at what the other cars are doing hey this is their wing angle you can't tell everything but you know if a car is sitting there with the nose off of it and the wheels off you get a vague idea for either camber or tow if the, th- if the things are pointed straight but anyways you can glean a little bit of info from the other cars but time is the one thing that you use to your advantage if you lack information well in the modern era knowing that, as you mentioned, there is one Lamont test day. You get a single day to try and prove, learn, you name it, simulation, as you mentioned, this uh, effectively <laughs> input the setup information you want to try, hit the proverbial button, and out it spits. Uh, laps hard. of information that tell you whether it has generated what you're looking for or not. Yep. This has become your 24-hour-a-day three hundred and sixty-five day a year invitation to test at Le Mans to make up for that time that you don't have.
1: Absolutely. And and the and the great thing about it is in addition to that testing, it's actually cheaper because you're not throwing sets of tires on it every 45 minutes. You're not burning fuel. You're not wearing out your gearbox and your engines. You didn't ship your crew to France. You didn't ship your cars to France. And the simulations have become so good now that the information is super valuable. And some teams, I know some of the Formula One teams have actually said that if, if they were going to ban one thing or reduce one thing for costs and things like that, they would rather ban or reduce on-track testing than simulation testing. Because the simulation testing is so good in Formula One that it's become more accurate than track testing. And people would say, how can that be? The the big thing is you can control in the simulation. The environment is controlled. It's not like you go out in real life. You go out and it's a little warmer or the sun came over. Indy's a great example. You know, the, the cloud cover comes over and suddenly the track's two miles an hour faster. Well, you know, how do you know which setup is going to work when? And, you know, if you just... Made a change to your car and you went out and the gut driver goes, Yeah, that's better, and the speeds are up. Is it because turn one is now in the shade and it wasn't 20 minutes ago before you made the change? In the simulation, you can control and hold all those variables consistent. You can hold tire wear consistent in a simulation. You can have it reset to brand new tires every time you cross the start-finish line, or keep it on old tires or whatever you want. So the key is then once you have all of that is now add the driver in because when it gets right down to it, your lap sim can be perfectly accurate and it's perfect for, from a technical standpoint with the, whatever the ideal driver is, if there is one, but we have real drivers driving these cars and they like different things. So then the next step from the lap sim is what you talked about, the driver in the loop simulator. And for people that haven't seen them, it's basically most people have seen like a flight simulator that airline pilots or, or fighter pilots would would train in. It's exactly the same thing, but for race cars. So they're very sophisticated machines. That you know the ones we're using cost anywhere from three or four million dollars to ten million dollar machine. And there's a couple different kinds, but they all do the same thing. The driver sits in the machine. The cockpit is very similar to the car that they're driving uh, with the same steering wheel, the same controls, the same vision and everything. And that vehicle dynamics model that we talked about in the lap sim is the model that drives the driver in the loop simulator. So it moves the car, the, the simulated car, it moves the chassis and the driver Similar, not exactly, because we can't create G forces. We're, you know, we're not in a in, in a cent- centrifuge where we're spinning the driver at some G forces. So it, but it moves the driver to to actually trick him into thinking that the movement and the feel is like the real car. And the sim guys call it motion cueing. So you're you're giving the driver cues, and there's a lot of people a lot of neurosurgeon or neuro neurologists and stuff that study how the brain and the body take in these cues and how they feel them. And the simulator, if you watch it from the outside, a drive-in-the-loop simulator, it looks like the motion can't be right because it's moving. uh, When you put on the brakes, it's moving backwards. When it moves the car, you're like, Oh, it doesn't look like a real car. And it isn't like a real car, but it's tricking the driver's brain and all of his senses into feeling like the real car. So you use all this motion cueing and this very kind of complex movement of the car, plus the wraparound video screens and the auditory is actually recorded from the real car. So it sounds like it. They have big subwoofers in the back of the seat to actually shake and move the car like the vibrations that are felt. From the gearbox and the tires and all of that, the steering is all nonlinear and loaded by based on the downforce and the tire model and all of that. And so we do the same thing. The driver just drives laps and just like you would testing, but he's driving this sim model and we're getting data out of it just like we would with the real car. And we can then hold things consistent. Every time he comes by start finish, he gets a new set of tires. So he's running on sticker tires all the time or used tires all the time. You can also, huge benefit of the driver in the loop sim, is you can make changes quickly. Let's say at the real track, you wanted to make a differential change in the number of friction surfaces or ramps or settings in the differential. Well, you'd have to take the the gearbox apart essentially take the differential out rebuild the differential put it back in put the whole gearbox back in add oil you're looking at an hour change
0: yeah it's the 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 amount of time required as we've spoken on in previous episodes uh probably the one centering on testing how do you choose what to do how do you manage the time this is one of those things where if you know you have a one-day test somewhere and you are changing diff ramp angles and whatnot oh boy you're eating up cool. you're spending Shut. more time off track than you are on track
1: on track it, it just suspension geometry changes where you got to take all the wishbones off the car and put new brackets on and move the brackets or something and it's just a long long process well here if in the driver in the loop simulator the driver just hits pause and you he, he, he talk about it he, he's in a he's in a room with the where the machine is, and myself is the race engineer, and maybe a vehicle dynamics guy, and the operator of the of the sim is in another room with a glass wall, but we're on a headset together, and we can say, "Hey, let's try this other diff ramp." And uh, you basically a couple keystrokes, hit go, and in 20 seconds, you've made a what would take an hour change on the race car at the racetrack, and you can go try it. Um, The other great thing about a driver in a loop simulator is, let's say, pick a corner, turn 17 at Sebring, important corner. Driver can go through turn 17, get on the front straightaway, and just hit back. And what it'll do is it'll back him up a predetermined amount of seconds. And let's say you hit back and it backs him up 20 seconds. So now he's back on the straightaway leading into turn 17. And he can go through 17 and he can hit back and they'll back him up and he can do 10 turn 17s in a row in two minutes and just work on turn 17. If it's something that he wants to try different lines or he or he wants to feel it, you know, I've made a change and he wants to feel if it's better. And he goes, oh, I think so. But instead of having to wait another two minutes to get back to turn 17, you can just go through turn 17 10 times. And go yeah yeah for sure that's better. And here's what I like about it. So the driving the loop thing has become hugely hugely important and and the way the wave of the future, well actually not the wave of the future, the wave of the present. If if you don't have a a program like that at a top level for sure formula 1, Indycar, um you know, LMP1, a lot of LMP2 teams are using it now who have um, commercially available driving and loop simulators to them. Um, it, it's become required. You have to have it.
0: Let's close, Jeff, on <laughs> so your tales of the level five D Sports Racing program as told in a special edition of our dear friends' Dinner with Racers show a couple years ago. I mean, I hate to say it, Jeff, you could win Le Mans overall. You could win the Indy 500 overall, Daytona 500. You could win Monaco overall. I think your dinner with racers, special edition, level five, d sports racer episode is going to be the thing you're best known for but that's not a bad Probably. thing that's Probably. not a bad thing you've ex- you know this you've accepted this sure sure um and then last year well i mean uh, it was august late july august of last year you and i sat down at you had a great idea uh, where we sat down for about an hour and recorded a podcast on the technical aspects of this. So the, the Daniel with Racers episode, if you haven't listened to it, friends, please find it. Um, but you said, hey, that was great, and it was fun storytelling, but maybe maybe we should sit down and talk about the finer aspects of just the technical stuff. So I still have to get that podcast produced. You <laughs> sent over a bunch of other amazing material to look through, uh, maybe to to use in conjunction with that for a story. But this driver in the loop thing Mm -hmm. that was used to make this d sports racer club racing car uh, effectively an lmp2 ish type machine i don't know it might not have been far off of lmp1 in terms of outright performance at road america that's really you thought might be a fun thing to close on here in how Using driver in the loop, even for a frickin' club racing car, boy, the effects are amazing.
1: Exactly. I mean, it was, it's kind of, I think I can tell this story right now. And if I can't, I'm going to tell it anyway. But <laughs> um, so we had, we at Level Five had a um, fantastic working relationship on the vehicle dynamic side with Multimatic. We were running the um, Acura worse LMP2 cars at the time, and they were our chosen ecodynamics Dynamics simulation partners. And so they're the ones who had a driver loop simulator in Toronto at their facility up there. They also have the capability and the super smart brainiac people that can help build this simulation model, computer code model that we were talking about. And so we had um, those guys working on the P2 program to to provide us the simulation program. So I could go up to Toronto with my drivers. We could test for two or three days before, or maybe a couple of days before each event. Before e- each IMSA event, we'd test on the simulator, then we'd go to the race. Next, before the next race, we'd go test on the simulator, go to the race. So we would have a couple of days worth of simulator testing before every race when it came down time to build this d-sports racer it was a brand new car it was uh you know your proverbial blank sheet of paper and so what multimatic wanted to do was perfect their use of simulator in not just refining a current car but building a race car from scratch and what what we didn't know at the time was that the ford gt project was underway or shortly to become underway. And that Multimatic would be involved heavily in the design of the race car and the development of the race car. So what they wanted to do was kind of use our D-Sports racer as a test case of how do you have a blank sheet of paper and design a race car that you know is going to perform properly and and at a high level in the virtual world. You know, in the past, the designer comes up and he's got his ideas he's got his um, experience of a bunch of other people and they go on the cad program and they design what they think and they put it in metal and carbon fiber they go to the racetrack and it works pretty darn good if you got good designers but they have to change this and they need a different fish, and this is a problem so we gotta rebuild this and remake this part and maybe it needs new suspension or whatever long process to get it super refined what we did on the Sports racer and what was then refined and used to do the ford gt was that same process designed the car with smart designers like brian willis designed the car great now we have a car but what he did is he designed three other suspensions that he thought could be pretty good uh mark hanford worked on the aerodynamics and he came up with what he thought was the best aerodynamics but came along with Three others that he thought might be pretty good. Our engine guys, same thing. Here's engine curves, here's turbo boost curves, da da. da. Here's engine architectures. Here's what we think is the best. Here's three other possibilities. Then we went to the multimatic drive the loop simulator in Toronto. We put we it in again a virtual world. We had our model of the three or the best car we thought we had. We bolted Colin in it in the simulator and he went and drove it at Road America it was pretty good but maybe the other suspension was better so we hit a couple keystrokes suspension number two design is on the car immediately and he drives for a couple maybe I don't know an hour while we try different spring rates and shock rates with that suspension Then suspension number three and then suspension number four and then aero different aero combinations, different wings, different body shapes, all things that would cost tens of thousands of dollars to build in the real world. We were just trying on the simulator. Maybe suspension two works really good with arrow number three, but not so good with arrow four. So we tried all sorts of combinations of engine suspension and aero together to find which ones were the best. After about a week maybe four days solid of that of trying all the different things we thought would work we came up with now what we thought was the best suspension with the best arrow with the best engine combination in the simulator we tuned that with shocks and springs and sway bars and wing angles to what we thought was the best we went that's it not one piece of carbon fiber had been laid up or one piece of metal cut or bent at that point. But we had designed our car after four solid days of testing. Then we went and built that car out of carbon fiber and metal and machining and all of that. And then we took it to the track. And the amazing thing to me was we spent another four days at the racetrack trying to improve. Like you do, you get, oh, it's a brand new car. We'll make it better each time we go out. After four days of testing, we raced the car with the exact same spring rates, the exact same sway bar rates, the exact same wing angles. We made a few damper adjustments to the settings, and that 's all we could do to make the car better than what we had done on the driver and loop simulator. So designed the car on the simulator, and that's the same process, more refined that Multimatic then used to design the Ford GT.
0: And that, friends, is how a club racing project commissioned by Scott Tucker and the Level 5 team helped Ford to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 2016. (laughs) In part, we're not claiming full credit. We're just saying that it's phenomenal to think how this virtual system, the, the validation, the working through iteration, the iterative process, but just the uh, the driver in the loop certainly didn't start with Multimatic and the DSR program here for level five, of course, no. but just saying as a firm, amazing to see how going through this process in a club racing effort really did prove, validate, help processes to change or tweak however was needed to get to a point where when it was time for multimatic to create the ford gt racing program and road car again uh, from scratch uh, the ability to do that in a virtual manner for this company uh, really was proven through this dsr effort just just madness
1: yeah it's it's and and by now they're way past what we've done and they're way more refined and they're certainly not the only ones i i have to believe that every formula one team is constantly testing updated parts and next year's design and because the simulations have gotten so good now that it really is actually better than testing on the racetrack um you know, and, and the, the big thing was getting a proper tire model, getting a proper vehicle dynamics model. The, the sophistication and the accuracy with, uh, that we can now model the whole car is what's allowed this to happen. And so, you know, it's got gone a long way from, oh, we're going to use the simulation so the driver can get a few laps to understand where the track goes. Those days were, it's moved so fast. That was 10 years ago, um, and, and now we're to the point where it's amazing what the simulations can do and how important it is, and, and you can't win at a high level with, without it anymore.
0: Well, thank you, as always, my friend. Looking forward to our next episode on who knows what that topic will be.
1: <laughs> we'll find something exciting. Um, I've got, I still got a long list of things that people have sent in and um it's amazing some people say well just tell stories so we, I, we could do that too but uh it's always good if it has a little bit of a technical uh bent to it too
0: sounds like a plan
2: howdy marshall
0: hey ben how are you
2: i'm doing well i guess about as well as uh, can be expected given the circumstances
0: This is probably going to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but I say this in all honesty, just being fortunate to have known you for a little while. I can't think of many folks who would be better equipped to deal (laughs) with what has happened than you. And that's part of... Equipped how? Well, you've got fairly immense character. You are certainly accustomed to deals changing. And you're also someone who's had to build things from the ground up and both accept when they fail and obviously delight when they succeed uh, well. compared to maybe some others who are just driven by pure emotion. Um, you seem like someone that having to deal with a really crappy scenario like this, not like you're happy, go, yay, I get to deal with it. But um, there are others I'd be more concerned about.
2: Well, uh. Thank you. I, I, all of those things are true. Uh, uh, you know, it, it doesn't make it any less emotional. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I have dealt with a lot of bullshit in my life. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you are uh, managing, uh, leading, you know, 1500 people and 20 different businesses uh you get to deal with a lot of bullshit yeah. uh and uh, uh you know the fact is uh yeah I, I i am i'm someone who uh, uh i have a really big distaste for Injustice mm. uh, uh, I am someone Who uh, uh, I will be the first person To step up and make a scene And do something stupid uh, uh, When I feel like There has been Injustice uh, uh, And I'll be the first person to step up And take my lumps When uh, uh, uh when i uh, when it's appropriate uh and uh you know uh, i can uh if it were just about the time penalty uh then uh, uh you know then i would be uh, uh making an argument uh that the uh you know some of the hoops we had to jump through might or might not have been justified uh, uh, however, the fact is um, you know we did our capacity check three different times, and we were four tenths of a liter over capacity uh, uh and uh you know I'm also a hundred percent sure that we checked our capacity before the race and we were at 96 liters. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is that uh, the, uh, you know, the rubber bladder inside the cell, uh, 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 you know, got broken in <laughs> uh, after being uh, filled and emptied and pressurized and heated and vibrated and all that other stuff over a 24 hour period uh, uh, enough that it could accept uh, uh, another you know uh, uh, another uh, 400 milliliters uh, uh, but um, you know, it, it, uh, it, you know, because I am the first person to, uh, uh you know, to make a, uh, to be really upset about something being unjust, uh, uh I would expect nothing less from, uh, uh the stewards. Uh, you know, if I were in the position of a team, uh, that left a margin of error or did not have, uh, uh, a cell that expanded, uh, then I would expect to be moved up. Uh, and I can't deny the fact that, uh, uh you know, that I had too much capacity in the car uh and uh you know it, it it's you know it, it seems odd to me that that is even appealable because it is what it is uh, uh, i mean uh you know i know i'm not going to appeal the fact that we had you know 0. 0.4 liters too much in the tank because it is what it is uh, uh you know it, i I hate it. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I, I am still proud of the performance that we, uh, had. I'm still proud of the team. Uh, you know, we, we have nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, you know, we did not gain an advantage by, uh, uh any of this and none of it was, uh, uh, intentional. Uh, we, we were seriously concerned about our pace uh, uh, versus the other manufacturers. We didn't feel like we had any margin to give, uh, whether that is half a second on fuel fill or whether that is 400 milliliters on capacity. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, we set everything right at the limit. Uh, and I now know that, uh, that was a, uh, that was a big mistake. You know, I, I did not, um, yeah, I, I did not think that, uh, uh, those two pieces of equipment, uh, would change, uh, and, uh, and they did. So, uh, you know, it, it um, uh it, it's a tough situation uh you know it, it, i i even if i i go back and uh and win Lamar again even if i went back and won Lamar again uh I, I could never recreate that scenario. Uh, uh you know the 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 first year uh the first privateer effort the first year uh to be racing uh uh a ford at le mans which is a brand i'm extremely connected with uh you know to to share the victory with uh you know bill ford uh you know it, it's there's so many hundreds of various things that were so special, uh, uh, over the weekend. Uh, it, and it's just sad that, uh, it, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, it went down the way it went down. Uh, but, uh, it is clearly not an injustice. Uh, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I had 400 milliliters too much fuel, and I can't
0: argue with that. The approach that you've taken to this, Ben, I think is one that might surprise some, and I say that based on the um, amount and style of comments I've seen from so many people about this decision. Some who are hurling big, big stones at the ACO, the FIA, etc. I guess that's why I opened with saying you you have the temperament to be able to look at this rationally, even though it might hurt your heart, like you wouldn't believe.
2: Man, it, I mean, it is. Uh, it's still really hard for me to talk about.
0: I understand, brother. Let's talk about something that made me really happy. And that was a guy by the name of Ben Keating being chased by... 47 million times sports car champion, (laughs) all-time Hall of Famer, even though he's still active, York Bergmeister. I mean, uh, yeah. And that that gap, Ben, that everyone figured, oh, boy, he's toast. Yeah, no toast to be had. That was a blast to watch, my friend. Let's forget what happened on Monday. That's
2: one of the things that makes this so special. That's one of the things that I could never recreate uh you know i i raced last year in the ferrari with risi and i felt like we i mean i didn't feel like the fact is we had a team that was capable of winning that race uh and uh we got beaten by the 77 dempsey proton porsche uh and at the end of that race I wrote the strategy for this year's race. Uh I mean, I looked at everything we did and I totally created the script. I came to Le Mans this year with a script. Uh uh and I know exactly how I wanted to do it, and that is what we did. Uh, and that is that uh, you know, I, I ran my silver and my gold. For the first 15 hours of the race. Uh, And, um, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, in theory, uh, uh, I mean, if you look at the math and you talk about the theory of the way the safety cars work there, you should – have just as good of a chance of catching up to a car that you've lost time to as you have of losing time to a car that's in front of you. Sure. Uh, uh, and uh, even though that's true – I still felt like it was important to try to get up front as early as possible and uh that was the approach we took and you know uh we didn't get a 2 minute lead uh, uh <laughs> because our you know uh, because our uh, our fuel fill was half a second too quick, <laughs> uh, we got a two minute lead. Because we caught three safety cars in a row uh, uh, ahead of our competition, we just hit it right. Three safety cars in a row, uh, and uh, you know, through the night, uh, Felipe and Jerome just ran consistent laps uh you know we did not have the ultimate fast lap speed but we had consistent laps uh and uh then uh you know i had to do 6 hours of driving within the last 9 hours of the race uh, and uh, the beauty of that was that uh you know i didn't have the pressure you know we had a 2 minute lead uh, and all i had to do was make sure that i didn't make a mistake uh and you know we had the end of the safety car uh, uh you know four lap safety car my tires had cooled down uh I had 19 pounds of pressure in them uh and i came over the radio and i said guys this car is going to be a really difficult car to drive when we go green again I'm gonna be really careful uh, and in turn one a p2 came on the inside of me I got out in the trash and I was backwards before I knew it mm. into the gravel and I thought man you know uh, that could have been it right there I was lucky enough to go in backwards and still be pointed downhill and I was able to drive out uh, uh, but uh, uh, you know my, you know, what I had to do was to, uh, uh, just run consistent clean laps, which, you know, I ran, you know, uh, 359s basically at three, 358s, 359s, four minutes, uh, consistently just ran, uh, those kind of laps and kept my nose clean. Uh, and, you know, in that last stint, I needed an extra, uh, uh, you know, four minutes, uh, to be able to pass the six hour mark. We were hoping that in my last double stint that I would get a safety car or a full course yellow or a slow zone or something that would extend my stint. And it was green the whole time. So I didn't get the benefit of that. And so, uh, you know, it, I, it, I had to go into full fuel save mode. Uh, and, uh, I had to save 10% of a lap per lap every lap, uh, in order to extend my stent length out long enough that I could, uh, make my minimum time. Uh, and, uh, you know, during that stint was when, uh, you know, we were, uh, forced to come in and change the nose on the car. Uh, and, you know, I, I, i don't agree with that decision i don't know what was behind all that
0: stuff one of the most bizarre things ben and i've spoken Uh, with uh, many folks who were in the uh, event in your class trying to beat you have told me yeah we can't really figure that one out i have a theory that they are that they were instead of they were hoping to have you lose enough time to i I have a theory that they saw the refueling times during the event came to a conclusion late in the event uh, we're thinking well how can we have a a quote in race penalty that isn't an actual published penalty i'm not saying there's any validity uh, uh, to it that's the only thing i can think uh, of
2: uh, i might agree with you but it does me no good to make those type of accusations, uh, because it's all irrelevant.
0: Oh, no, no. Because I had me a hundred percent
2: too much fuel.
0: Yep. That's me. Uh, Not uh, you saying that.
2: The fact is, uh, you know, I had to come in and change the nose, uh, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and then, uh, I left, uh, and, you know, in the hurry of leaving, I didn't, Drag the clutch enough and, uh, uh, spun the tires. IMSA style. Uh, and then I get a penalty for spinning the tires. Uh, and I have to do a stop and go. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was still able to do the 359 and four minute lap that I had done all morning long. Uh, uh, uh you know, as, even though I was saving fuel, I was just, you know, doing a lot of coasting into the braking areas and really managing the aero balance on the car and, and going fast through the corners and, and, you know, maintaining a lap time while still saving a ton of fuel. Uh, and I come out of the pits after the penalty. And, you know, Bill comes on the radio and says, Ben, you know, I'm sorry about all this, but I think we still have a chance. Uh, and, of course, you know, I've been in the car for two hours. I have no idea what in the world is going on, uh, but I've known Bill long enough to read his tone of voice. Uh, and my response to that was, what in the hell does that mean? uh and he said he comes over the radio and he says well Jorg Bergmeister is 5 seconds behind you and you still need to finish your minimum time uh and I said well Bill do I need to keep saving fuel <laughs> yeah. and he said no and so you know I got the opportunity to switch gears You know, all of a sudden I went from, uh, saving the car and being ultra conservative to, uh, qualifying mode. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I went into a mode of, uh, uh, I've got to get every ounce of time out of this car I can get out of the car uh, because I'm expecting that Jurg is, you know, uh, three seconds a lap faster than me. I've got to do another. You know, four laps and, uh, uh, and, you know, this race is on my shoulders. Uh, and I mean, it was one of the most exciting, uh, uh 15 minutes of my career. Uh, you know, a, a to, uh, uh, you know, to be able to put the hammer down when it counted and keep it out of the gravel pit. Uh, uh, you know, and, and to, to, to be able to, uh, uh, do those fast lap times, uh, when it counted, uh, uh, was, was really special. Uh, it, and, you know, when, when we came in, did the stop, Jerome went out, uh i was i was able to put him in a position where we had a 3 second lead you know with 42 minutes left to go in the race uh and uh you know one of the things that made the race so special was that i personally uh, uh, you know uh, clearly and obviously contributed to the result
0: And that was that is something that can't be taken away because that has nothing to do with trophies or podiums or anything else. Let's close on this, Ben. How do you how do you move forward from this? And there's a couple of caveats in the question. So this Lamar race, kind of a big deal. I think folks have heard about it a little bit, but this isn't the only thing you're doing for the year. You've obviously been participating in and have the rest of your WeatherTech tech sports Car championship gtd effort with bill riley to complete so that's definitely something that's coming up here soon for you a continuation of that you obviously have this beautiful ford gt i'm not going to ask you what you're going to do with it next because you've been asked a thousand <laughs> times but i don't know yet but uh, you also have wins, uh, yeah. right, as I, your I, as your sponsor, which that, I'm sure, wasn't a conversation you wanted to have. But this, to me, just seems like it might be different from some other drivers slash owners who've flown home from Le Mans, looked at the calendar, said, cool, that's the next thing, and their mind and hearts are completely clear. Sounds like you got a little bit of stuff to work through, though.
2: I, uh, I'm going to finish the year uh in IMSA, in the amg uh i have uh, 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 uh the the fire inside of me to win uh to perform at the highest level is brighter uh than it was a week ago uh, uh you know i have uh, uh i am more driven uh i am more passionate uh and i am more uh i just have a, a a deep fire uh that wasn't there a week ago you know a week ago it was a dream uh, uh to uh, win le Mans, and i came in with a good strategy and and it was Let's get a lead. Let's hopefully catch some safety cars in the right way. And then, you know, then, uh, uh, you know, I can get in the car and just not screw it up. Uh, it's different today. Uh, uh, today, I just want to go kick some ass, uh, just because, uh, you know, it'll make me feel better. Uh, uh, and, um, yeah you know, i don't know what the future holds uh, uh other than uh i will uh, continue racing uh and uh i've got to keep reminding myself that this is my recreation not uh, you know this is this is supposed to be fun
0: uh, <laughs> you sure picked a funny form of golf to uh to relax yeah, with right there, ben. right
2: that's exactly how i uh, uh i agree uh, uh but uh golly if you didn't have all the hardship then uh uh, uh the sweet times wouldn't be as sweet uh you know, i've had had a really good conversation this morning with patrick Lindsay uh you know i am
0: classy character
2: very thrilled for him uh he was uh just top notch first class in the way he uh dealt with the situation uh and uh you know i it, it uh a lot of uh you know, a, a lot of people have shown their true colors. And, uh, you know, usually that that phrase has a bad connotation. And I'm saying that in this case, uh, it, it almost always has a good connotation. Uh, you know, uh, there have been a lot of people who are fierce competitors who have uh, uh, been very supportive. You know, I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I got to uh, I, I got a phone call last night at home from bill ford uh, uh, which was a, a a great conversation. I got a phone call out of the blue this afternoon from Alan Mulally uh, wow. uh, who has retired from Ford, but uh you know he spent the money to buy the stream and he watched thirteen hours of the race uh uh you know by himself at home uh and he was thrilled. Uh, uh to see our results, and he wanted me to know that, uh, uh, you know, uh, I should hold my head high for the way I represented Ford Motor Company. And uh, that stuff is so important. It's just, it, it's
0: awesome. I hope, Ben, dealing with this sorrow, uh, knowing that you ha- you're not blaming anyone, you're not there's there's no targeting of uh, the the organizers or anything else from your end. But I hope, despite uh, the results of what have happened here, I hope you have seen the outpouring of care for you from a lot of folks you probably have never met uh, via whatever <laughs> social media platforms. There's just a lot of folks who clearly have been impressed or touched or moved in some way by your efforts. And it didn't just start at Le Mans last weekend. That's clearly something you fostered over the years.
2: Well, uh, that that is definitely something I have felt and seen. Uh, uh, and it's been very moving. Uh, you know, I, I uh, uh, it's been awesome. I, you know, I, I there's definitely, some sort of, some sort of a silver lining in this whole deal. Uh, you know, uh, the best way I can relate to, uh, uh this, uh, this whole thing is it, it feels like a death in the family. Mm. You know, uh, uh that's, uh, that that's the most similar, uh, way I can describe. It's the only other time I've felt like this. Uh, uh and um uh you know it, it, it is what it is you know uh, you, you can't uh, you can't ask why uh, uh you, you can't read you know you can't have a redo you can't appeal it uh uh it, but it still sucks uh, uh but it's also amazing to see the support uh, uh of people uh those that you know and those that you don't uh, uh you know it, it has been awesome
0: thank you for taking some time my friend i know folks are going to appreciate hearing from you and realizing that in the midst of something like this which as a sportsman you never want to be in the midst of it there are ways of dealing with it that can not only make yourself but your family and those you work that work around you proud and when you've got the ford family and Uh, past Ford executives calling you Um, you're doing something right so hopefully you're setting track records and destroying the somewhat new asphalt at Watkins Glen coming up here very soon (laughs) Ben's gonna be on a tear boys and girls leave him a lane of his own okay he's got a couple issues to work out from France not your fault just be just understand
2: well I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning and I got on my bicycle and I went out for a a 20 mile ride on a route that i've done a thousand times uh and i got the uh, on strava uh, which is like a facebook yep. for exercise yep. i got the the KOM the king of the mountain uh <laughs> and i titled the ride there's nothing like some uh uh, uh you know unresolved emotions uh, uh to help you achieve uh, uh a win
0: 200 mile an hour therapy brought to you by Ben Ben Keating, boys and girls. Yes. Ah, Ben, thanks again, my friend. Thank you.